Yeah. So every time Paul Rudd's on there promoting a movie, and again, I've never seen an episode of Jimmy Kimmel, but this stuff just, they're so good at utilizing YouTube for their clips and stuff that every time Rudd's on, he's like, yeah, I got a clip from whatever, Ant-Man. I got a clip from uh, whatever other, you know, whatever movie, hundreds of movies have been in. It's always the same clip from <laughs> Mac and me. And it's like, you know, Kimmel acts like he's surprised and he's like, ah, oh, you got me. But it's just, it's fun. I love that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's like um, Norm MacDonald uh, doing, uh, and you guessed it, Frank Stallone. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Everything was Frank Stallone. Yeah. I love the one of him, like, it's a roast or something, and he comes out, like, the clean dad jokes. I don't, I forget who it's a roast of, but it's so funny because everyone is just dirty and raunchy and just, like, you know, telling the taboo jokes, and Norm MacDonald is just, it's clean and it's all dad oh, jokes. yes, and it's, yes. It's, I, I remember that. And I, the entire show, he sat there reading a newspaper. <laughs> covering yeah. his face yeah. and they would make a joke about him and he would kind of peek over out it from the newspaper and then go back norm mcdonald was he was a genius oh my Amazing. god it's so good and it's it's that like it's almost like anti-humor right yeah it's almost where it's like hey this is this is what's trending or this is what's funny right now i'm just gonna go the opposite way and on that same special yeah he told like two or three jokes and you could tell people were like what what's happening by the fourth or fifth joke, they're like, oh, okay, okay. This yeah. is classic he's, here. He's the anti-raunchy. Yes. Yeah. Roast. So good, man. So good. Uh, well, hey, I'm sitting here with Zach Smithy. Smithy. Zach Smithy. Yes. Local artist. We, I asked you earlier what you called yourself. Just yeah, yeah, artist, artist, just a, a local creator. Artist. Yeah, um, I like creator. Yeah, because I create in many different styles and many different materials. So yeah, it's broad. It covers a lot. It kind of yeah, it doesn't put you into like a box. Right. But uh, okay, so you grew up in St. Charles. We talked about that. Mm -hmm. Three schools. We don't have to name them. Three, three and out. Oh, you're gonna go ahead. Uh -huh. Coverdell, Hardin, and St. Charles High School. And then on, and to, then Lindenwood. on to Lindenwood. So yeah. I didn't I go mean, far. Yeah, and it doesn't get more like St. Charles City right. than Coverdell. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I wasn't actually even going to go to college. Uh, I, w I was the first in my family to go. Oh, cool. And uh, my, my parents, they hadn't gone to college, so it was like the end of senior year. And they were like, so, uh, what's up with college? Where are you going? Um, you haven't really talked about it. And I said, oh, you know, I've been thinking about this. I'm not going to go to college. I'm going to, um, I'm going to graduate and then I'm going to go to work with dad as an iron worker. Really? And I'm going to do that for four years and live at home and instead of, uh, building up debt. Yeah. Just I'm going to make money yeah. and then I'm going to use that money and invest it and start buying and rehabbing and flipping real estate. And he said, nope, <laughs> you yeah. can always come work with me. Yeah. You can always flip real estate. You're going to college. And I was like, uh, okay, guess I'm going to college. Uh, yeah. I guess I better start looking. Well, that sounds familiar to like your end of college story too, because it, I mean, from talking earlier, it seemed like you didn't really have that much of a plan 
when you were close to graduating. Right. The ultimate goal was always become a full-time professional artist. Um, that's the ultimate goal, but how do I get there? So yeah. I, I didn't really uh, plan the path from point A to point B until right when I had to. So, Such an artist thing, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. does any, I can't imagine it's typical of an artist to be like, here's my plan. I'm going to do this for three years. I'm going to go here. I'm going to go here. Like that's not, that doesn't mix, right? Right. Yeah. Like but, you just kind of have to do what you did. Yeah. But now I'm kind of the opposite. Now I realize that I do need short, medium and, and long-term plans and I need to be somewhat ambiguous with how I get there, but also have somewhat of like uh, a direction yeah. to go into. Yeah. Hey, you're watching the local 636 podcast. We're with Zach Smithy, local artist. I want to remind you to go ahead and smash that subscribe button and the notification bell. Woo! You got it, man. I got it. <laughs> 17th time's a charm. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that notification bell. You're going to be informed of the latest uh, shorts, videos, and full episodes coming out. You'll get that little nice little notification uh, as soon as they're out, and you can be the envy of all your friends in St. Charles County. Uh, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, on Insta, and on YouTube. Everything is at Local636. Um, tell me about this. Everyone's an artist until they're told they're not. What is that? Someone said that. I, I heard it somewhere, but I'm sure someone famous said it. Yeah, someone probably said it. Um, I think Picasso said some similar things, not quite, but um, he said it kind of, it took him X number of years to learn how to paint like Michelangelo or Leonardo, but it took the rest of his life to learn how to make art like a child again hmm. and to be more pure with his mode of creation instead of just following the path of what everybody else, else did. Yeah, yeah. The trends. Interesting. Yeah. So it, what fascinates me about that is like from almost birth, everyone starts out being an artist. That's almost the first thing that you are. Right. Right. Like you don't, everybody's creative. Anything is possible. You don't have anybody, you know, you're new to life. You don't know what the root, the, the traditional rules are. Yeah. You're just here doing what you, what you do. And that's all good. The, the key is to continue doing that into adulthood. But something happens. Yeah. What it, happens? Um, education happens. Um, people, tradition happens. Tradition is uh, peer pressure from dead people. And you know, like who cares? Like they're gone. You, it's time for you to live your life the way you want to live it. And, you know, to fit into society, everybody has to, you know, find their path and then go into this path and, you know, like fit into, you know, this peg fits into this hole. Yeah. Um, I never liked that. I never liked any jobs. I, I hated all corporate jobs and I just never felt right until I was able to just, I know what I want to do and I'm going to yeah. do it. I'm self-motivated and it takes self-motivation. Some people love, they, they love to be told what to do so that they can do it, do it well, and then clock out and not think about work until they clock back in. For sure. Um, most people. Right. Most even, people. Yeah. But an I think, entrepreneur, you know, you never get to clock out really. Yeah. Well, there's something about those peg holes that feels comfortable, right? 
Yeah. You don't have to, it's not that you're not smart or that you don't have to think, but you don't, you don't have to. Well, you find your place. You feel like you're, you fit, you know, you, you, you have a purpose. Yeah. You're, you're rewarded immediately, right? Yeah. By peers, family, whoever, good job, you got this job, you got this promotion, you got whatever. And I imagine your world is very different than that. Right. Yeah. Um, not worried about, I, I promote myself by doing a good job and people seeing that, like, I don't have to really market that. I don't have to ask, ask permission from anybody. I just have to, I have to do a good job always. And that's more of like pride, mm -hmm. taking pride in what you do. And other people will recognize that over time. Is there, is that easier to say because you are successful? Like, it, it's kind of like, um, I guess, am I successful because that's what I did? Or is that what I had to do to become su successful? Yeah. Um, I don't really know what the answer, like, which came first, the yeah. chicken or the egg. But, yeah. um, you know, I, the thing with artists, everybody has to take their own path. Like, really, you can take Brett best practices from other artists like oh this is what they did like but when it all comes down to it you have to like form that into your own plan like everybody's on their own path when it comes to art i always think with any job and i've talked about this before i think almost any job you can apply this there's an art and a science to the job right so i'm an insurance agent by trade the science of my job is that I know that if I talk to X people, X amount of people, Y amount of people are going to want to get a quote. And out of Y, Z amount of people are going to buy from me. And that's what I need, right? So I know that's the science of my job. I got to talk to this many people to get this many quotes, to get this many clients. Yeah, it's a numbers game. It's yeah. stats and, sure. you know, hustling. And but there's an art to my job too, right? The, the sales aspect, the marketing aspect, that's all... For me, at least, that's that's my or that's what started out of, as my kind of creative outlet is how I'm going to run my business. So take that to you. The art of your job is literally the art. Does the science part come naturally? That part of marketing yourself, of getting your name out there, or was that something you had to learn? How did you kind of acquire that skill? Um, yeah, it, I guess it it's a little bit of both. It both came naturally, but I also learned from trial and error. Um, you know, you try this, it doesn't work. You try this, that works. So maybe I'll deviate towards this direction a little bit more because that's working. Um, I think there's like uh, unrealistic expectations among artists to be like a purist no matter what. And that can cause some people to continue to head down this road that they think like, I cannot be affected at all by anything. Otherwise, I could be seen as a sellout. Okay. And really, like, I can be me. I, I can be me and do many different things. And certain things will lead to more success than other things. And as long as I'm not completely selling out to what other people want me to do, I'm totally fine in, with adapting towards what's, what works and what doesn't. Because if I'm doing something that makes me more money, for me personally, I'm going to reinvest that 
money back into myself and into my art so I can purchase my autonomy so that mm. one day I like that I won't have to give a shit what anybody thinks or anybody wants at all what is um you mentioned like being pure and selling out and like what is that to you and what is that to an artist um growing up I, I kind of subscribe to this, you know, like I'm a purist, I'm an artist. I do what I want. I'm unaffected by the outside world or what anybody else wants. Mm. Um, and then I found that every once in a while you have to self-reflect and go back and, and just think about like who you are, where you've been, where you're going. And I found that, yeah, I actually am being affected by my environment. We, we all are, whether you think, you are or not. And the point is to stay true to yourself while you're being affected by your, you know, because it's like a learning experience. You're learning, you're learning how to survive. You're, you're learning that like this over here works. I make more money. This over here doesn't work. I'm just adding to my own collection of things. There's that thing of like, and I, uh, I'm a big like music, uh, fan, and I like we call like scene music or like the warp tour scene that kind of punk and pop punk and metal and emo and screamo and all that alternative is kind of the larger category. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's where that sellout label gets applied to the most when talking about music. Oh, yeah. um, and I remember a band I like called Bayside put out an album. This is probably 10 or 15 years ago. And they got a lot of heat because they had just signed to a major label and sellout thing was being tossed around and they were like look we made what we liked a lot of other people like it now does that make us sellouts or does that make the person that's working at target or best buy that is really a punk are they sellouts and it's like you know and they're not they were careful not to call their fans sellouts and stuff like that but it's like that's the person that's selling out that's the person that's taking a job for whatever dollars an hour that they don't want to be at that's the sellout Right. Right. That's the person that's going against their, that's compromising their, not necessarily integrity, but what they think or what they want to do for a paycheck. And well, and if you think about like the direction, the possible directions that you can take in life, different trajectories, really you should think of it as a cloud of possibilities because there are many things that I would like to do. And it's not like if I choose to do something different that that's, that's selling out. I'm just choosing one direction of many possibilities to choose from. And some might be popular. Some might not be popular. Yeah. So if it's popular, who cares? Like that popularity doesn't mean you're automatically selling out. Right. When it's popular and you're, you're doing it to get popular and you don't want to do it, that's, that's selling, selling out. out. Yeah. Yeah. But if it's something that's, that's within you, and it just happens to have gained popularity. Yeah. I, there's nothing wrong with that. And that's, if people want to judge for that, I mean, that's, I think that's more of a reflection of how they feel or how they interpret it. Yeah. Or even what they want you to be, you know? Yeah. I'll still stay within the scope of things that I want to do. I still call my own shots. Yeah. And um, that doesn't mean that I'm not going to negotiate and work with a client on a project. It just, you know, it, I, I'm not stuck in my ways. I'm not hard to work with, you know, just so I can label myself as a purist. Yeah. 
Yeah, but you're going to do it your way. Right. And that's, I think, what people like about you. And what they like about your art is that it's it's your way. It's unique. It's different. And yeah, like you said, just because it has gained popularity doesn't necessarily equate to that. Um, and like, al although I've, um, I've been a full-time professional artist with no other jobs for the last decade, I actually do still have two jobs. Um, one is making um, whatever I want. And, and the second job is making whatever my clients want. Do you look at that first one of making whatever you want? Do you look at that as a job? I mean, I don't really feel like it is a job. Like in the sense like, that like it, I need to work so many hours on this or I need to be doing this or you look at it like that? It's the most functional label that I can give it is okay. a job. Yeah. Um, but I don't consider it a job. I just feel fortunate that I get to wake up and make art every day Yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Now, um, you've got... And correct me if I'm wrong, but two things come to mind when I think of Zach Smithy, and that's your house and the Mission Taco mural. Are those the two kind of best known things right now, or is there something else that I'm not? Um, the Mission, well, the Mission, the Mission Taco mural. Where's your house recently? Hey, there it is. The shipping container. That's uh, four containers and four containers. Yeah, let's uh, talk about that if we can. Can we? Can yeah, we put yeah. A we'll pin circle in mission? around the mission yeah. later. This is really cool and. Uh, it's the first house in Missouri. Yeah. The, the first house in the St. Louis region. Louis, okay. Um, like in that extends, I would just say like a hundred mile radius. Yeah. Show me, show me what we're looking at here. Tell, show the audience what we're looking at here. Um, yeah. So it's three stories tall. You enter here in the basement area and you, you walk upstairs to the main level and then the three bedrooms are upstairs. Um, it's 3,100 square feet. It's eight shipping containers stacked on top of an 11 foot foundation. And, um, the foundation no. foundation here is not shipping container. Correct. Okay. Yeah. We, we had to do a standard concrete foundation. Um, and then you can do containers underground, but I don't recommend it. Okay. You know, metal and underground and moisture, uh, sure. rust over time. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you're looking at it, it has a really cool paint job, um, but when we first built it, it's basically just a, a cube, which is very simple. And that's a lot different from my early designs because I had, you know, when you're designing something, you're it's going to be really creative and cool. It's containers going in different directions, cantilevered over each other, hanging out. Um, it was really wild. But then you, you have to mix that with reality. Um, Okay, that's all of that is going to drive the price per square foot way up. So either I'm paying for this out of pocket. We wanted to be um, debt free when we're building this. So either I was going to have to sacrifice square footage, make it smaller, but really creative on the exterior, or make it more efficient. And the most efficient is just to go side by side, straight up, make a cube. Yeah, sure. I mean, for lots of reasons, but not limited to, but including like your HVAC systems, your plumbing, your wiring. I mean, it's all, yeah, yeah. it's all there. It's a square. Yeah, it's super simple. Yeah. So this being the first, and I didn't really have anybody um, to consult with. So I did just learn all this myself and do it myself. So I said, okay, let's scale back. 
let's make this more simple. This is going to be a learning process for future projects. I'll get more creative in the future projects. Yeah. And those are starting to roll in or they already yeah. have. Yeah. I've, I've done a couple, I've designed several, um, homes for other clients and built a couple for, um, clients in St. Louis. One, the, the coolest one is this three story, nine containers, um, a block behind crown candy in the old North neighborhood. Oh, cool. It's awesome. It's so I met them. They were, uh, one of my art collectors. And after I finished this, they contacted me and said, Hey, um, we've got this basic design for a container home. Can you build it for us? I said, yeah, let's do it. So, so you're almost like a general contractor on that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I, I decided, you know, I did almost all the construction on my house. I'm not going to do that anymore. I sure I did it as a learning experience. Now yeah. I'm going to hire that. Out I know what to do. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. make my money up here. Yeah. Not down here. Yeah, exactly. And did you, did you like paint, you painted this, I assume? I did. Okay. Yeah. And did you paint theirs or is that? Nope. Okay. Um, they have several pieces of my art in their collection, but uh, I did not. I actually, so the only thing that I did in their house was build their floating bed. So it just, it's just a plank that comes out of the wall. Oh, wow. With no legs underneath. Very cool. Yeah, it's really cool. You have one of those in your house, I think, somewhere. Yeah. We were flipping I, through pictures earlier. Yeah, I did that for, for mine. There, theirs is a little more streamlined. My, mine is all exposed. Okay. The way that it connects to the floor and the wall. Okay. Um, Just one of those things is a learning. You've learned how to do it better now. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so the, with theirs, I built these huge steel T bars and uh, hid everything in the wall and inside the bed frame. So it's just a oh, monolith cool. coming straight out of the wall. I like that monolith. Yeah. That makes me think of um, 2001 A Space, Space Odyssey. Odyssey. Yeah. That was on last. Where was I? I was at Exit 6 last night and that was on. That's one of those I movies. love that movie. I do too, man. But it's it's such like uh it's it's mentally draining to go through the entire Very film. much so. Well, yeah, cuz it's over is it 3 hours? It's about, yeah. It's close to. Yeah. And you, you And you go from like the dawn of time to uh yeah. this future. So yeah. it's it's a lot to It cover. feels like you've been on a journey. Yeah. And you also you can't just sit down and watch like you almost have to like there's an experience that goes along with it whether that's altering your state of mind somehow, right? Because it's yeah. just a better experience. You've seen that movie, I assume? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, Stanley Kubrick. I think that's the first AI movie. The first AI movie? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it first has... Okay. Believable. You know, like, yeah. How, you know? Like, yeah. You know. It's crazy. The The part was on last night where they were... Um, it was the single guy in the spacecraft, and he was, like, communicating with someone, and you're like, this is an iPhone. Like yeah, this isn't is it crazy? Like, 1968 or this, whatever, right? Yeah, or, 1968. It was, it was a year before, before we, we landed on the moon. Yeah. Before and their moon nuts. scenes looked amazing. Yeah. Well, that's where the moon landing was probably filmed. No, yeah, I'm just right. kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's all of that is a reality now. Yeah. Um, AI, especially, it, I think the majority of the population is sleeping on how fast AI is advancing. Oh yeah. It's it's amazing. In Ultimately, it will replace many, many, I mean, like over half of all jobs. But um, for now, it's, it's, it's like having an assistant. So yeah. those who are good at using it will, you know, they will prosper and maximize it. 
they even have it like in a graphic art uh there's like a graphic art ai thing now where you can say like i want you can basically describe what you want yeah it'll spit out images for yeah, you yeah dolly 2 and um what's the other one um having a mind blank right now but yeah, the, okay. they're amazing um now it's hard to distinguish what's a real photo and what is ai generated now does that does that scare you as an artist at all no okay no, because and i've kind of so it, it actually did affect me though it affected me in the way that um you know growing up if everybody was wearing a certain thing i would try to do the opposite do something different yeah um and this is kind of the same thing uh ever everybody's headed in in a certain direction um now they're called prompt engineers so if you're really good at making um good output you have to be good at input so you're good at prompting the ai so you're a prompt engineer um, oh okay so like telling it telling it what to do yeah okay yeah. so if you're good at queuing it up to do something great then it's almost like writing code or something yeah yeah and those are the people who are going to be taking a lot of jobs it's going to take one of those people for every 10 of you know the old interesting you know, yeah people but like um where were we headed with this i have no idea we got on space odyssey somehow yeah how did we get there but i was gonna say like there there is and this has been going on oh, for it, am i am i intimidated about this oh yeah but no it affected me in the way that i think i'm gonna head more uh physical with my work okay something that ai can't do yet until the robots start making our work and that's where i was gonna go is that this has been happening but there's been a a definite return to wanting things like handmade. Yeah. Right. Uh, so it's like, I don't know why I can't, I mean, this is a, a probably an obvious example, but like home brewing, right? Like mm -hmm. you're real awkward with that cup and it's, it just, looks I know it's so like, unnatural. What am I doing here? <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm, you I'm can trying to figure out the best way. <laughs> here, wait, there you go. Uh, but it's almost like home brewing, right? Like, you know, we got to a point where craft beer was so popular um, and then people started homebrewing and then, but then people started wanting that and then those started getting pop. But it's like, yeah, there's just that return to like having something handmade or having something in a small quantity. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's just authentic and you feel, like you said, it's real. You can hold it. You can touch it. Yeah. And the, that's the realness and the story. The yeah. story is so important. That's why when you pick up a craft brew and it tells a story about mm. not only the brewer that made it, but how this type of beer originated, where it originated in the world, like that history. I'm drinking a piece of history mm -hmm. right here. Yeah. Um, what's the history of like, yeah, I gave a prompt in this piece of machinery. Right. That this AI made this art. Yeah. That's not a good story. Nope. That's it. it Almost anybody can do it. Yeah. So yeah, it's it kind of cheapens the image. Like we're like images are everywhere now. Like if you go around and look at AI images on Instagram, it's it's nuts. You you get an overflow of like, oh my God, this is amazing. That's amazing. And then after a while it's like this isn't amazing anymore. It's everywhere. There's no, like millions of these images now. I think it's because I've clicked on a couple, but like on Facebook, uh, a big trend is like 
we told AI to uh, to make the Harry Potter characters just from the book, and here's what they look like. Yeah, and it's the first couple are like fascinating because you're like, wow, they just plugged in whatever was in the was in the book, and that's what they look like, and it's pretty close to like how the actors look. Right. You know, but then yeah, you see ten of them, and you're like, okay, well, they look the same. Cool. Yeah, that, that novelty is you know it's going to be over soon. Yeah, but that's not going to replace the fact that it is what you said. It's way more efficient. And, you know, you think about paying one person to do X job versus paying 10 people. So for that reason, it's not going to go anywhere. No, it's here to stay. Yeah. We, we just have to get used to it and adapt. Yeah. And also, I think for people, I, I don't think that I am worthy of including myself in the same breath as you from a creative standpoint, but I'll do it anyway. <laughs> but for people like you and me, we have to find ways to keep making things new and different and exciting. Mm -hmm. Um and 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 just breaking that mold of like what the norm is right you know and i think i think there will always be a need for that and even more so as we get more into this is that as what you do becomes lesser known or foreign you know it's going to be different at some point which is bizarre yeah right right like here's a hand painted whatever it is just think of this, like we, we were born before um, like the internet and mm -hmm. and things like that. Everybody like today, they're born and this this already exists. Yeah. So we're a part, we're ancient. We're gonna be ancient. Yeah. In just a couple of decades. Like we were born last millennium. Yeah. <laughs> Not even in the two thousands. Yeah. So yeah. I I think that ultimately AI is gonna be a good thing. But it's going to be a rocky road until then. Like it's going to displace many jobs. Um, people are going to, you know, they're they're not going to know what to do if they can't do it better than what an AI can do. And an AI and a robot can work twenty four hours a day, seven days a week for next to nothing. How can you compete with that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it'll be novelty at some point, right? Like what what you do will be novelty at some point. Yeah, but well. Humans will, humans are the buyers. I think ultimately they will value. It's art isn't really about like the time that an artist put in, puts into it. Like, yeah, I, maybe a piece takes me 10 minutes or maybe it takes me a hundred hours, but it's not priced that way. Um, yet it, if it took me 10 minutes, it took me 40 years to get to that point. Well, that's what I say. It's the same. Uh, that is a parallel in my field is that you're, you're paying for, yeah, the 10, 20, 30, 40 years of experience it took to make this product or to, to get this result. You're not paying for the time it took to do it. You're paying. And I think people have a real hard time grasping that. Yeah. Right. Uh, because think about like, do you play video games at all? Used to. Okay. I mean, think about even now, think about what a video game is. You download it. I mean, it's not, right. The new, the new Zelda game, I'll play my card, I'll show my hand here. I'm super nerd when it comes to Zelda. I mean, it's on a Switch cartridge that is, you know, that big. Yeah. And it's $75. You're not paying for that. You're not paying for the materials. You're paying for the time that it took the 300 people to work on that. The right. same as a movie or whatever, right? You're paying for their years of experience and their years of expertise to get that finished product to you. That's what you're paying for. And, and like me as an artist, I think we, we play outside of the normal rules. Like think of a, 
a baseball card, an autographed baseball card. Mm -hmm. It's, it's rare. Um, the scarcity of it Mm -hmm. and, and also it's, well, it's valuable because we, we say it's valuable because we have an attraction to it and then there's scarcity. It's the same thing with art. Um, I think humans will most likely um, favor human-made art overall or the artwork that a human made with an AI. That could be a thing, but yeah, um, there will still be value there in things that I or we, we make. I hope so. That's yeah. <laughs> At least while we're alive, there will be. Yeah. Cause sure. we'll be able to tell that story of this is what it is, you know, but I like how you brought up story because as soon as that goes away, that value might go away. Right. Right. And it's going to take bringing that back or, or someone else telling that story of what it is other than make this, here's what this should look like. Make this. Something that you kind of touched on with uh, Zelda and the We're gonna bring up whatever Zelda again. the thing is that's yeah. like this big now, or yeah. it's a hundred percent streaming now. Yeah. The cool thing is we're getting rid of materials or dematerialization of like we don't have cassettes and CDs and yeah. all that shit like cl- clogging up our house. Yeah. We don't have the waste involved. That's fair. Think about in the the distant future when. Um, AI and robots can make and do anything that we can do, but better. And we won't have to do it. It's like the first washing machine was made and we no longer had to spend hours a day washing. We could do leisure things. We could do more intellectual things. We could do more creative things. Think about when all of the, the laborious things that we're wasting our days on are taken care of. Um, it's, it's going to be dark in the beginnings because then it's like, how do it, I make money? It sounds scary because what are people going to default to? Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, they could default to drugs. And, but, and I don't even mean that, but just are, are they going to use that time to be productive and creative? And I think and, ultimately we, we have, we still want purpose. And like now, like YouTube podcaster or, you know, YouTube creator, like that's new. Mm-hmm. Because of technology, we could do that. We could do other things. We don't even know the jobs that we're going to create when all of the the jobs that we don't want to do are gone, like the jobs that the robots are doing. But ultimately, I think what's going to happen is universal basic income. It's a very polarizing topic now. But when all the jobs are taken up and all the wealth is funneled towards the people who own the AI and the robots... We, it's going to drive the cost down of everything so much, but then the wealth accumulation with the people who own this stuff, mm-hmm. all we have to do is tax that and spread it out, and everybody gets X number of dollars per week, and you'll be free to roam the earth and do whatever you want forever. Like, you can just live whatever life you want, and it's fine, and we won't have debt. We won't have anything because we'll have a surplus of everything. Like, Sounds very utopian. I don't. Utopian will happen after it gets way worse. I was going to say, I, I feel like there's it's a be terrible before that. I think so. Yeah. Just because we're humans and we're going to fuck it up. And right. We're and there's, to, there's greed and, and yeah. everything in between and misinformation and propaganda is going to cloud the, the direction. But just think about it when everything is taken care of, 
What are you going to do? I mean, you can do whatever you want. We're all just as long as we're back to everyone's an artist then. Yeah. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Right. I mean, you can do whatever you want at that point. Might not be in while we're alive. Yeah. But, but it also might at least going to happen. Yeah. Okay. Well, this AI segment brought to you by (laughs) Zach Smith. It is not where I thought we were going with this at all, but neither. Super interesting. Do we want to jump back on a topic? Yeah, it does. I mean, I I think yeah. I just want to say this. Like, I think a lot of people are are scared of AI, and just uh, from a, a fact of like not knowing, right? Right. Of like, it's different. Well, it's. I mean, it's evolving faster than anything. The faster it evolves, the faster it evolves. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's progressing faster than we can keep up. And just think about it. Like, technology is moving exponentially, but our biology is still ancient. We're still cavemen who are trying to deal with computers. Mm-hmm. Like the best we can do is just try to keep up at this point. Mm. Wow. It's a lot to think about, man. It's a lot to process. I was not ready for it, but that's okay. It's it, it can be scary or yeah. you can just like say you, you can't stop it. So let's just get along for the ride. Are you a South park watcher? Oh man, I did for like many no. years up until just the last few years. I okay. love South Park. I do too. Yeah. There's a, I think it's maybe not the most recent episode in this episode of this, this podcast about later, but um, in the new season, there's an episode where they're, the kids are using chat GPT yeah. to interact with their girlfriends because the kids don't really want to, you know, they're fourth graders or whatever. Right. And they don't, one guy has this real great relationship with his girlfriend and uh, I think Kenny or, or uh, Kyle or Stan is like, what What are you doing? He's like, oh, just use chat GPT to respond. And so he starts doing it. And they've got this great relationship now through text. But she calls him out at one point. She's like, thanks for saying that. And he's like, he has no idea, right? Because he's just copying and pasting into the chat GPT. Yeah. And obviously the whole thing blows up in their face. But um, that's another thing that you would never think about that it can be used for that. It can be used conversationally. Right. I mean, it's built upon uh, language models. It's a large lang- language model is yeah. what it is. So it's, it learned how, it learned from us how to behave. Yeah. I learned from watching you <laughs> that commercial. Yeah. But it's like anything, it's like anything where it's like the first, uh, like implementation of it is going to be shitty because we're shitty. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I mean, it's designed after how us. can we use this to like, yeah, to do to and do all those tasks. I mean, the meaningful tasks, but like, how can we use this to like? Yeah, I don't know. I don't and know it's going to have certain biases built in because we have biases. Yeah, and yeah, it's going to. Once it goes beyond us, then that's when we're going to see the real progress. Clockwork Orange. Yeah, I don't know. Another Kubrick movie. Love that movie. It's a weird one, man. Yeah, the eyeballs. I can't. I can't. Uh, <laughs> I can't watch that. That's so bizarre. Um, I don't know how we got on AI, but that was super interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's talk about you some more. Cool. The real you. Have you seen the movie AI with Kevin Spacey? Uh, I used wait, to be, was, a, this is like early 2000s, maybe. Is it, Haley Joel Osment's in it. Yeah, yeah, the kid. Yeah, yeah. he was the robot. Jude Law's in it. Yeah. Good, good Jude I, Law I, performance. I forgot that Kevin, Kevin Spacey was in it. Kevin Spacey may not be in it. I may have made that up. But yeah, it was Spielberg. Yeah, it's, it's, Spielberg it's a great movie. film. Yeah. Yeah. 
Kevin Spacey's in a movie called K-Pax. That's right. And I may have been confusing those two. Yeah, but AI was good. AI was good, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, Haley Joel Osment, Jude Law. Yeah, he's like a robot. He's like an, yeah. he's and like he an AI. And he wants to be like... He wants to be, be just human. like the other human boys. Yeah. Yeah. Tearjerker. You were uh, you were going to well, I want to go back to your house and yeah. you have to pull it back up or, or you can, it doesn't matter. But um bringing this back to like St. Charles and, and local stuff, we were talking earlier. I think people were really like you submitted all the paperwork. It was totally fine to do above board legal. But at the same time, you did it, and people were like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, so when when I um, I did my designs, I submitted them to the city. I asked them, do you have any ordinances that would prevent the construction of a container home? Yeah. They said no. So I submitted them. They had to pass it because it passed all the structural you know, safety codes. But once these containers got stacked up and people saw it and started calling in, and we're like, what did we get ourselves into? What mm -hmm. is this? Um, it wasn't too much longer after that to where they started drafting up ordinances against any future container homes. And this is, you said, 16, 17? Yeah, 2000, I started in 2016, finished in May of 2017. It took a year and two weeks. Okay. I and mean, I could have done it a lot faster if I had a whole crew, but well, that's not what it was all about. Yeah. And so... There is now ordinance against a shipping container home. However, yeah. it's a political roundabout against container homes. Like you can, yeah, you can still build with a container, but none of it can be showing on the exterior. It has to have a pitched roof. Okay. And there are a few other, like basically it has to, it has look, to look like, like a, a normal, normal house. Gotcha. You have to put basically, you can't have metal uh, vertical corrugations. You have to have plastic horizontal corrugations like everybody else in their vinyl siding huh it's true but interesting i think what you're alluding to the people who pass those ordinances are no longer in office right so yeah we we could get that overturned and as of the recording of this podcast we have a pretty progressive i would say yeah uh as far as like municipalities and city government goes a pretty progressive thinking um like uh regime yeah right yeah and they're even now so it's kind of come full circle to where they're consulting or they're using you to consult on future shipping container projects not single family homes but commercial yeah. uh projects and tell me about that like so that's all in frenchtown that or? was uh it was pretty vindicating to have them contact i me bet that felt after, good like, yeah you know, getting shit on for several years, and then now the the mayor and other city officials contacts me, and says they want to do um, a shipping container development down in Frenchtown on Second Street, and asked me to design it. So I designed the whole thing. It's several blocks, um, upwards of seventy shipping containers total. Wow. Um, we'd have retail, um, short term rentals, um, uh, a brewery. Want to have a dispensary, um, maybe like a craft whiskey. Um, we want this to be high-end, creative, and geared towards youth because St. Charles is an aging population. Very much so. And we want to, we have to attract new young people, and we have to have cool things for them to do and be around. And it makes sense because it makes sense to want that. It doesn't make sense, but and I guess it does. But 
you know, we have Lindenwood, Lindenwood right there, your alma mater, mm-hmm. but they don't stay there. They go west, they go to the city, right? They go back home, wherever else, but they don't stay in St. Charles City for sure. They might stay in St. Charles County, but they do not stay in St. Charles City. Right. And that's because, I mean, there's a lot of reasons, but there's not enough housing that is that is geared towards attracting them. Right. Um, and what they want. I mean, there's a lot of old building single family houses that are, quite frankly, pretty intimidating. You know, if you're coming out of college or if you're 25, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Uh, I mean, that was my first house. And if it weren't for my wife, I probably wouldn't be a St. Charles City resident. She had the vision and she had the, well, pretty much, yeah, the vision to say, we're going to turn this into this. And um, yeah, uh, my wife and I, Bree, our, our first house was built in 1880 yeah. over on 6th Street. Yeah. And that was a complete renovation. We, th- we thought it was going to take six months, took a year and a half. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's such, it's a lot of work. They're really cool looking, but it's very inefficient. And my thought is. Yeah, because I mean, you've got to put bathrooms in places that bathrooms were never. Yeah. But they in, weren't in the original house. Bathrooms. Yeah, there so was no wiring. There was no plumbing. Yeah, so you got to figure shit out. Yeah, you have to put closets in. I mean, our first house was built. I think we traced it back to like Civil War. It was on 3rd Street. Yeah. Um, and of course, like. I think I've heard this rumor, but like there was some sort of fire or something at the county records office. So like when you look on the county tax records, it'll say the house was built in 1930. But that's standard. You look up a lot of houses and it says 1930. But we, through photographs and things we found in the house, traced it back to like Civil War. Yeah. But yeah, you're putting in closets. You're putting in bathrooms. Nothing square. Everything no, has to be custom. Yep. It, it, everything is expensive. You put a marble at one end of the floor, it's going to the other end. Yeah. Insulation, uh, efficiency, it, yeah. it's, it sucks. We did ours as we lived in it. So, I mean, it, it was a little bit different. But, I mean, we lived there for, I think, thir- uh, I think like 12 or 13 years. And just kind of did it, chunked it little by little. But it's intense, man. And, mm-hmm. I mean, if it weren't for her, I wouldn't have. I don't, I'm not interested in that, really. Right. I like it, but I'm not interested in doing the work. And it was a good learning experience in my sure. 20s to rehab yeah. an old house. But yeah, been there, done that. I'm over it. Where were you at on um, six? This is great for our S- podcast listeners. We're talking about individual streets in St. Charles City. Sixth six and De- Decatur, 701 North Sixth Street. Sixth and Decatur. Okay. Yeah. So Decatur is Saint where St. Charles, uh, Charles. Yeah. And Lady Dies yeah. is right there on Decatur. So you just Lady go dies. straight. You going to buy Lady Dies? I heard it's for sale. It's been for sale for a minute. Yeah, I'm. That's not my, my yeah, jam. Mine either. No. I just want someone to buy it and keep it the same. So this container village, I want to, uh, I want to be an investor in this project, and so I, I want to build and control several of the uh, short-term rentals. I want to build them to my specs. I want to handle all the interior design, the artwork. Um, that's kind of. One of my, one of my next projects. Yeah, this is what you were talking about earlier. With is this the same thing having like the mother in law house in the back and having that? This would be different. Okay. Um, that I want to. I don't think that fits into this development. Okay. But yeah, I do want to do that in St. Louis, to where there's a. I want to build these from scratch. There's a mother in law quarters and an, a short term rental. The mother in law quarters is like itself. It's going to be a house, a smaller house with a. Uh, an art studio and there's a need for affordable housing for artists with a built-in studio 
and then that artist will get to show their artwork in the uh, short-term rental. So when people are staying at this rental, they will see the story about staying here helps subsidize the housing of this artist. This is this artist's work in this house. You can buy it right off the walls. Um, we'll have gallery openings at the house. I'll just block off you know, a Friday and we'll have an opening, yeah. have a celebration. I love that because it makes it, I mean, we talked a little bit earlier about like the last job that you had, right? Which was um, teaching at a high school. Mm -hmm. um, and you, I'm sure that you like doing that. I'm sure that you enjoy doing that, but that's not what you Yeah, it was really fun. It was, it was do, a chapter. Right? It got yeah. me to the next chapter. Yeah. Yeah. It was to get you to a place. And so I imagine if you didn't have to, if you could go back and you didn't have to do that, if you had something like what you're proposing, you would have done that. Right. Yeah. And so I did everything that I've done up to, to this point out of necessity. Yeah. I love that. And I love what you said. And you just said it again about, you knew at the time it was a chapter, right? Coming out of college, you knew, well, kind of at the end, you're like, well, shit, I better like, I need to do something right. Yeah. I need to get this job at this, at a high school or wherever as an art teacher. But I think it's so fascinating that you had the I don't know if it was foresight, but you just knew yourself and you knew what you wanted to do enough to say that I have to do this to get to here. And we were talking and I think most people, maybe they start out that way with that vision, but you just get comfortable. Right. Or you or get you a get race in, you know, security. You, you have you know. kids, you get a mortgage, you have all these things and you're like, well, I wanted to do this, but I'm here and I'm locked in and I've got this payment and I always had my eyes on the prize, which I was just being free. So the journey was like, yeah, there are many ways to get from point A to point B. Which way do I want to take? And I didn't want to do anything that was not artistic. So teaching high school art straight out of college, that fit, um, that was perfect. Um, it, was, it was kind of stressful. I went straight into it. I, I taught before I actually student taught. I got the job um, the following semester right after I graduated college. And then I was taking night classes to finish my master's in education while I was teaching. And then student taught for myself. I just had an observer come and watch me in my own classroom like three years after. Hmm. Um, so it, it was kind of odd. Um, so I don't know how... It's supposed to go. Yeah, just how I that's went. how it went for you. Yeah. Miss this off script. You mentioned uh, a previous guest we had on Brian Jackson. Yeah. Did you know? Like, did you know? Did you observe anything different about him when he was in your class or when he was walking through the halls? Like, as to, you know, how he interacted with people or how he was treated. I know Brian's story, yeah. and um, I knew it back then, and I knew that. He was in the middle of finding himself and figuring out he was dealt a hand that most of us aren't dealt. And he did what he needed to do. He turned that into a positive and that became his life story. So I can't speak for him um, per se, but like he would he be who he is today if the unfortunate things in his past didn't happen? I don't. You know, I would, would say, he be as successful? I don't want to make a positive out of that, what happened, but he is 
he awesome. has done that. So yeah. yeah, yeah, his his life is awesome. He's killing it. Yeah, he's a great person. Yeah, he uh, a lot of similarities actually. Now that I think about it, with just having that freedom of I'm going to do this. Yeah, and I, I think um, clearly not by choice or design as yours was right. Like you knew what you wanted to do, but like you said, taking that negative and turning it into a positive, but yeah, just having that vision of like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm not going to be in a box. Yeah. Being a, a teacher in, in high school, you get to see a lot of people in that awkward stage of life mm -hmm. when they're trying to figure out who they are. Yeah. And that was kind of like my bird's eye view of, of Brian was uh, seeing him develop into the man he is today and yeah yeah very cool it's really cool to yeah. see how that turned out yeah uh i want to go back you started talking about we were talking about the two things that that i would say that you're most known for would be the the home uh and then the mural at mission taco at streets of saint charles yes you were gonna say something i don't know what it was i don't even know if you oh, remember oh yeah so um <clears throat> actually the the mission taco mural just got chopped up yeah a few months ago and because they expanded into the next door, but they they really valued it. Everybody was asking about it, where to go. It's the first thing I said when I went in there, and I was like, what is that mural? And they're like, oh, we, we cut it here, we saved it. Yeah, they cut it into sections, framed it out, and used it as ceiling panels in the um, new, like, uh, party room. Yeah. Have you seen? Have you been to Mission Taco at Streets, Angel? I haven't. No. Okay. It's a, I don't know, how would you, like, how would you describe that? Because I'm not going to try. Okay, so like it's a taco joint and it's in St. Charles. So I just took, you know, these two things and mashed them together and thought, okay, who are some local people? Uh, Mark Twain, um, Daniel Boone, um, Lewis and Clark, Sacagawea, and then they all got the um, Day of the Dead um, sugar skull mm. face makeup. Yeah just to kind of pay homage to the, the, the cultures colliding in yeah. this space. And you like, uh, we should have got a picture of that, but it's, it's in the art. It's like an arcade now or, or yeah, yeah, games or something. Yeah. Okay. Go check that out. So cool. Um, did they give you like complete autonomy on that? Did they give you any kind of direction? Yeah. Yeah. Um, they did. So they, I, well, I, for, first what I did was I heard that, they were opening a restaurant in St. Charles and I knew from their previous restaurants that they hire local artists to do the artwork. So I contacted some people who this I is thought, the science here. This is the science of your job, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I contacted a few people who I thought maybe had a contact with the ownership, told them, Hey, um, maybe could have put in a good word for me, you know, yeah. so, you know, and contacted a bunch of people. And then I waited a couple weeks then I contacted the owner and said, hey, heard you're opening up in my backyard. I've got a studio one block away. Um, I'd like to pitch an idea. So I, I did, and he said, that sounds fucking weird. I, I like it. Let's do it. Well, first thing he said was, oh, yeah, I've heard of you. Oh, so cool. Some, some people were talking about you. And, okay, there you go. I yeah, was hoping like, that maybe those little bugs, worked. you know, yeah. helped. But yeah, I, I pitched the idea and he thought it was weird. And he In said, any other it. industry, when you're that sounds fucking weird, you're probably like, well, shit. But as an artist, I imagine you're like, yeah, perfect. Yeah, that's, right. what, that's what let's, I do. Let's do it. And, yeah. and for a project like that, like to, to trust 
the artist to do that. Yeah. Um, that that's a pretty big like. I bet faith. And you don't have to. Disc- I'm like not he, asking. He this. didn't know me. He didn't know me. Right. Yeah. And I, and I don't don't say. And I'm not asking. But like, whatever you got paid is whatever you got paid. But for him to not only trust you, but to put the money behind it and say, because they probably were just going to paint it red or something, right? Yeah, right. Like, here's why we're going to paint it red or we're going to hang up a few And that's pictures. where it's at, like, that amount of money and to give a license to somebody that you don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I did show them my portfolio and, you know. Like, sure. I, I'm a diverse artist. I, I work in many different styles. So I guess he felt comfortable. Yeah. That's but awesome. L- luckily, lucky for me, you know. And, and I love tacos, so. You love tacos, and you also love historical figures, especially yeah. local historical figures, yeah, right? My, my icon series. Yeah. Yes. You um, said something to me the first time we talked, and I, and I, I hope it's something you say all the time so that you can recall it, because I don't. Do you remember what what you said about about? Um, it might even be in one of your bios. This is good audio, right? When I just can't remember what the hell we're doing. Uh-huh. Uh You said something about it lets them. Let's them be the art or something along those lines. Help me out here. Any idea? Who is them? So like Twain or or Lincoln or Okay. Uh so yeah, I, I'm a processed focused interdi- interdisciplinary artist. So interdisciplinary English, English, please. I work in many different styles, that many different materials. Okay. The process. I am focused more on the how than the what. Okay. Um so the process of Painting it, drawing it, yeah, whatever, like the, whoever the, it is, whatever the subject the is. The art of creating art. Okay. So whereas mo- most artists would have a style, they got their style that they work in. So think of like uh, like Van Gogh or Monet. I'm just, I mean, I'm yeah, going back yeah, to like they grade have a very school or whatever, identifiable right? You can style tell who that is. Throughout the, their entire life. Yeah. It's, you know who it is when you see it. Picasso. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, That's not you. No. Well, I do have many different series of work and each one of those is very identifiable identifiable to me but i don't stick with just one because studying the process takes you down many different avenues and so the mark twain series for example the portrait of mark twain is the conduit between me and the viewer i've painted drawn sculpted Mark Twain over 400 times. But each time I do it, it's completely different in process, different style, different materials. Um, so that is my play, playground to where I get to experiment with new processes. But the audience always sees Mark Twain. And it's a connection that many people have in this area because Mark Twain is kind of local. Um, but also all across America and some parts of the world. So for me, I had an attraction. I, I grew up, my grandma was a professional artist. Oh, cool. And when she would babysit me, we would set up still lifes in the middle of the kitchen table. And she would, you know, give me like college level critiques huh. on my work in elementary school. And I didn't like, know. Look, it it's a college. turtle. All right. Just chill yeah. out, grandma. Yeah. <laughs> so, but we would always do like, uh, figures and portraits and I grew up being like a portrait artist so kind of I'd gotten away from that for a few years went more abstract but then I jumped back into this icon series in the early 2000s and started doing like 
different historical figures and it felt good. He was like going back to my roots as a figure artist. Mm. And when I came across Mark Twain and there was just some weird connection, you know, you, there's like Mark Twain Plaza, Mark Twain Park, Mark Twain Lake, Mark Twain, mm-hmm. you know, it's everywhere. Yeah. You, you kind of grew up around it, but you didn't really think about it until then I dove deeper into the person. First, it was just this image and the name that was everywhere. And all of these different things all kind of came together to create this Mark Twain series, which if I was to create um, a show, an art, a show full of my artwork that just showcased the process and it was all kinds of different styles, you wouldn't know, like, there would be no cohesive element. Yeah. It would look kind of chaotic all in one space. Yeah, correct. So for me, the the image was the cohesive element so that I can I am now free to to make it however I want. But the audience always sees Mark Twain. So like here's you and here's the end result, right? And this is what the audience sees and you're going to get there and I'm just dumbing this down. You're going to get there a number of ways whether it's this way or yeah. this way, or this way, or this way, or this way. Like you're gonna get there however you get there, but without without this final result being the same, no one's gonna put all these things together, right? Yeah. But because this end result is the same in our brains. The subject has been chosen. The how, the what is no longer an issue. I don't have to think about what I'm making. Yeah. I just need to think about how I'm making it. But in the sense of like an art show, like you're talking about, it does, it, yeah, it gives it that cohesive, here's my, here's Mark Twain. Yeah. But here's how I got here on this one. Here's how I got here on this one. Here's how I got here on this one. And in 2014, I, I finally had like my first Mark Twain, all Mark Twain show. It's called Twain's World. So, oh my God, dude. Perfect. Come on. Yeah. I know. Oh, we can riff on this for hours, yeah. I think. Yeah. And so talking about, we kind of touched on it earlier about marketing and this and that, like an artist, they don't, this is some of the stuff they don't teach you in school mm-hmm. is they teach you the fundamentals of art, but not how to be a successful entrepreneur. Sure. So they don't teach you how to market yourself and, and accounting and all that stuff. Well, I mean the difference between you and someone who's selling their artwork on wherever a street right yeah that's that's living in poverty is the science of what you do Mm -hmm. it's the marketing and it's it's getting out there and it's making sure you're known and it's not it doesn't mean that you're a better artist it means that you knew how to market it or you knew the contacts to to call the guys that own mission taco to plant those seeds to get that job so like one of the this is one of my first like creative um marketing um campaigns was for the twain's world show so one of them it it happened on an election year and there were all these election signs everywhere so i went and and there's they're like dirt cheap like a hundred for a hundred dollars or whatever election signs yeah we're talking like a local election yeah, or, yeah, they okay. were just everywhere. It might have even been, um, it was 2014, so whatever election okay. year that was. And I was like, okay, I'm going to design some election signs, but they're going to be about my art show. Mm-hmm. And it had Mark, Mark Twain, and he had a heart on his 
chest and it said, I have a heart on for you. And <laughs> um, it said like vote for Max Baltimore, which is uh, nonsense. It's an alter ego? It's a, yeah, it's like a nonsensical name that I accidentally came up with in college. Um, Doesn't sound like an accident. Well, we were really high I was, in the dorm room. That was going to be guest number one. Yeah. yeah. And, and one of my buddies said to another, he he went over and said something, and then they both looked at me, and I said, did you just call him Max Baltimore? And then they he just didn't, died. I'm sure. They, no, yeah. they didn't. And he <laughs> fell down on the ground, rolling around laughing. And so we had a list of people to kill on, on the wall, like totally like. Wait, what? Yeah, yeah, it's like ironic okay list of you know just like i don't like this guy he's going on the list or whatever okay. or they're just like nonsensical names okay so max baltimore got put on the list yeah he's max baltimore sounds like a hitman or like someone from the like aristocrat uh like it's kind of catchy aristocracy i don't know it, it, it yeah. sounded good yeah it does so um that was like my first like email address okay. it was like you know, other things. And, um, the next morning we woke up and I looked at the list and I was like, Max Baltimore. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so it said vote for Max Baltimore on this sign and nobody knows what that is. Sure. It's intriguing. But on the back, I spray painted four dash 18 dash 14, which was the date of the show.com. So we got the domain name was the date of the show and then set a few hundred signs around St. Louis with, you know, what yeah. is this? I don't know. It's yeah. like mixed in with all these other like yeah. election. So people are like looking it up and the show was at the um, Missouri Athletic Club downtown huh. and like this little ritzy club. Like, yeah. Nothing that I'm going to be a part of, but I'll, I'll show my artwork there. Yeah. And the other one, which I, I like this one much better, um, talk to, you know, the, uh, the Goodwill down off of Market Street where they sell things by the pound? Oh, yeah. Um, like they're just stuffing trays. Just yeah. take it out. I asked them about like, you know, we're looking to do the show. I, I had a partner who actually he was making the connections and making calls while I'm making art for the show. And he calls me up. He's like, all right, I got a deal. They're going to donate a thousand pounds of purses and wallets. And I was like, okay, what are we going to do with this? And I thought, okay, there's a, um, at the time it was a ransom note generator on, it was a website. So you okay. type in something and it looks like it was like yeah, cut, cut out, out letters. Yeah. And it was a cryptic letter that kind of led you to the show. And then we just took random objects and put it in the purses and like some like fake IDs, like really so you cheap took stuff. A note as well and put it in the purses. So we put the note in note. every purse and then just random objects okay. in there. And then just drop purses and sidewalk all over St. Louis and you know, the surrounding areas. Because oh, shit. Everybody's gonna pick up a purse and a wallet and look inside. And yeah. then they're gonna see you know, some people and, and in the note, it said, you can keep this, you can give it to somebody, or you can bring it to this place at this time and receive a free limited edition print um, at the show. Wow. And 
we received uh, over 100, came back the night of the show. And, wow. And people were telling stories about where they found them. And one guy actually found one in a dumpster where somebody actually found it, didn't like it, threw it away. And then this guy was dumpster diving. He found it, and he's like, wow, I'm going to take this. I'm going to go get a free print. And so he shows up at the show. That is amazing. Yeah. I love that. It was it was awesome. And then that's when I realized, like, marketing doesn't have to be, like, spending money on commercials and shit. Correct. Like, all you have to do is something that's, like, cool. Mm-hmm. Just do something that's newsworthy or different. different. Yeah. Yeah. I love that, man. And that's, I mean, that's the spirit of what we're trying to do with Local 636, just trying to, just trying to give people different experiences. That's pretty neat. I'll have to consult with you on on yeah. some stuff because yeah, don't pay for marketing. Just do something that'll make headlines. Yeah, that is amazing, <laughs> man. That is very cool. All right, so right now you're at the Foundry. Yeah, you're at the Foundry Art Center. Tell me about that experience and like what that is. I, I think the Foundry is one of the most probably underrated things in St. Charles City. I mean, it seems like it's this great building. It's this beautiful space. Not a lot of people know what it is. I'm surprised at the number of people who don't know. Yeah, it is or have never been there. Um, it's tucked away. It's not. I mean, it's a great location, but at the same time, it's it's in Frenchtown technically, but it's not on Second Street, right? And it's, it's not on Main. It's Street, not on Main but Street. It's near but it is. Yeah. So it's it's a great location, but it's you have to be going there almost to to see it or to know what it is. Yeah, it's an amazing space, and I'll I'll kind of tell you how I got there. I've had a, a 12,000 square foot warehouse studio for the last decade. And uh, the amount of stuff I had in there was, it was crazy. Like I would be on an episode of Hoarders if I didn't actually use all the stuff that mm. I had. Um, and I remember telling the people who I was leasing from, I was like, please, if I ever have to move out of here, please just give me at least a year's notice because it's going to take me forever to move out. Then the building sells. And I get a short notice that, sorry, you have to be out. We're going to redevelop this, this place. Yeah. And I was in the middle of a bunch of corporate commissions, and it was already stressful. Then I had to figure out how I'm going to move. So anyways, I, I get out of there, and, and I'm like, I don't know where I'm going to go. And I'm calling around. I'm looking for places to lease. Then I, I was like, "Why am I going to spend twenty to fifty thousand a year on a place that's comparable to what I had for next to nothing? I'm just going to build a new studio, and um, but I'm going to need a place in the meantime." So I called up the Foundry and asked them if they had any extra rooms. They came through for me. Like I'm so grateful to them, and it's a really cool place. Like the the sense of community mm-hmm. um, between the artists, curators, staff, and administrators. It's very welcoming, supportive. Um, their gallery space is amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, it's museum-quality gallery space. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. And you would never expect it in St. Charles, like, for real. Um, I sell very little artwork in the St. Charles area. Most of it is either in St. Louis or all around the country or the world. But they have, like an amazing gem of gallery space and people. And there's what 20 something studios upstairs. And yeah, essentially people can just come in and kind of either watch or do people walk in. Um, so there are notes as, as the visitors are coming up the stairs to visit the studios. Um, 
if the door is open, you know, knock, say hello. You can come on in, sure. talk to the artist. If their door is shut, then you can just watch them work. Yeah. So um, just depending on if I'm busy, I'll close the door. If if not, I'll let people come in. People and come in and talk to you and stuff. Yeah. 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 It's it's cool to see the excitement and the the interaction. You know, sometimes I feel like uh, an animal at the zoo. At, I was gonna bring up the exact scenario. Yeah, but I mean, I've painted live so many times. Like, uh, you know, that's just the life of an artist. Like, yeah, it's like being in a band. Like you, you're on display. Yeah. So who cares? Yeah. Very it's cool. Fine. And you're building uh, your own space currently. Yeah, I'm gonna be doing an addition on the side of the shipping container house okay not with containers but i'm using a a new form of insulated concrete forms wouldn't expect anything less from you yeah my beer's about empty so we should probably wrap up yep so is mine cheers cheers thanks for joining me man this yeah. is fun thanks for having me all right it's probably one of our longer episodes huh yeah do you want to do you want to plug your stuff yeah, sure. Um, if you want to check out what I'm doing, check me out um, on Facebook, Instagram, or my website. It's all the same. It's Zach Smithy. Uh, that's Zach with a CK and Smith with an EY at the end. You're natural, man. You just you knew which camera to look in. You spelled everything. You're used to that. Yeah. We talked about that. I can't remember if that it happens was a lot. Pre-recording or post, but the yeah. Zach and the, the Smithy. spellings. Yeah. Yeah, you got to spell it. I'm Acres, so a lot of people want to go like A C R E S. I always I say it like three to... times when somebody's going to Venmo me money. Like, yeah. Zach with a CK. Uh -huh. Zach with a CK. Yeah. Smith with EY. <laughs> like, <laughs> I want to get that money. Yeah. <laughs> That's when it's most important. Yeah, right. That's awesome, man. Got it off whenever. Uh -huh.